me, you, and the driver, we gotta get this photo together. We gotta get this selfie. Oh, open it. Have you got a bag? A bag for fucking what? We fucking grocery shopping or something. We doubling up on these bags. I was like, wow. Women are incredible. I've been out here every single weekend since I've been doing this. Picking up people who have had amazing nights. Fuck off, mum. I'm sleeping. I'm staying here. Leave me alone. I mean, I've always said this anyway, that this thing has killed me. But I can see I've aged. I look at my beard, mad grey hairs. It is mad. Welcome to or welcome back to my podcast in my book. Today I have a special guest. It should be an interesting conversation because we're going to hear two different perspectives. Today I'm joined by a gentleman who's a black taxi driver, but also a content creator. Again, with some of my previous guests, Tom hasn't read my book, so it's worth saying my views are independent of him. So without no further ado, would you like to introduce yourself, Tom? Thank you, Andrew. Yeah, so uh, as mentioned, uh, I'm a London black cab driver. I've been driving as a London cabbie for almost three years now. Um, and previous to that, and as I'm sure we'll probably go in, in depth for this as we have a bit of a conversation about a various sort of um, jobs and career path, shall we say, yeah. um, before kind of settling on something I sort of half enjoy, really. Um, and then now most recently, I'm just doing a bit of a more YouTube, more more 21st century medium, really, just trying to push the boat out and not stopping, really, just keep going. Cool, cool, cool. That's really interesting. Um, as we we're talking, obviously, just briefly off air, I said I was speaking with, or I've spoken with, sorry, um, a few other people who do very similar things. So I spoke with uh, an Uber driver called Darren Levy, who actually has a YouTube platform and has close to, if not a million subscribers on YouTube. So he's gone from actually, well, with intention, being an Uber driver, then, but not long after becoming a driver, he used his platform to showcase some of the interactions that he's obviously had with some riders to which he's done very very well he said that he's actually transitioned from well not to say that he stopped being an uber driver but he's transitioned from with COVID-19 from having primarily youtube not youtube so uber experiences to having just general interaction with other people on different platforms so it should be interesting to see obviously where his landscape lies obviously in the next say 12 to 18 months depending obviously how the restrictions um, cater to us, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, like, just going straight to my questions, like, why did you become a driver? Well, for me, it was just the freedom of, you know, being able to work when, when you want, really. It's, um, I, I'd been to university beforehand. I'd got out of university, had a graduate job, and I just knew I didn't like the idea of a nine to five. And it was only because of a friend friend's dad who was like oh why are you traveling around and doing all these pointless jobs and that for things you're not even really that passionate about i think it was doing like sales for like i was selling training packages for hr managers and i was just sat there one day and i had the epiphany i was like this is never going to get any better this is going to be it basically um and i was always kind of a bit curious about london anyway i worked in london and mainly actually i'd done it because it was more of a a scavenger hunt because of course when you do the, the london black cab driving you have to do the knowledge of london for me it was like right let's learn a bit about london let's find out where i'm going because i was always getting lost in london it absolutely sucked uh so yeah so for me i just sort of got into it like that i was like oh if i'd go through these runs because you have to do these blue book runs that will get me along the way and um and then as i progressed with it i thought hold on a minute this isn't a bad gig you know knowing that i could you know be a driver and work for myself that's kind of, that's kind of cool you i mean it's funny so where are you from originally if you're not well, from- i'm originally from essex like okay. quite far in essex like near stansted airport kind of way okay cool 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 because 
I was, I mean, obviously, when I was putting these questions together, and obviously, I, I watched some of your content, I was thinking you actually look very, very young for the profession, obviously, that you're currently in, and obviously, the average age. I'm not too sure what the average age would be for a London taxi driver or a black cab driver, or in general, if I'm honest, but I thought you look, you're very, very young. So, at what age? So, how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 29. I was 29 a couple of days ago. So, okay, yeah. cool. Happy birthday. <laughs> and, you, and you're a driver from 26? Yeah, so I got my badge when the, 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 the December 2017, so that would have been, yeah, 26, yeah. Okay, cool. And what did you get your degree in, or what did you study at university? So that was film and TV production at the University of Hertfordshire. So. Okay, cool. Uh, okay, cool. I can, now I, can, I understand, obviously, the transition that you are currently making, if that makes any sense. So it should be an interesting conversation once we get into it. So was you actually working full-time at... Was you, work, was you working full-time when you were... Um, beginning to take up your knowledge yeah definitely so what I did I made it really really simple because I was working in London doing like this pointless sales job renting in London I was like right I'm going to move back home with my parents yeah get my expenses down to zero basically uh, and then I worked my very very first job which was like uh, in a bike shop you know it was like pretty much minimum wage it was mm -hmm. you know for many people to think well I don't know you've gone back to the job that you had when you was 15 but you're now like 20 for you've been to university you've done all these things and you've just taken this massive leap back and i was like right okay that's the, i think that's the best settlement to actually get this done basically to to get the knowledge done because it's quite a bit of work to do of course and how long did it take you to get your actually your black cab license so i don't know if you're yellow or green obviously as we know or i don't know if people know actually to get your pco license doesn't take that long so it can take probably a couple of months so like, what was yep. your process so yeah i did the green badge in london you have yellow badges which is like suburban sectors so they're sort of more you know out on the fringes of london and you know um and then the green badges mainly well, basically pretty much any black cab driver you see in central london will most likely be a green badge driver and it just means you can pick up anywhere um, and that's the one i went for and it took me almost three years but that was me just again living at home with my parents every night i was in front of the map or as driving down to London, picking up points of interest, just doing that repeat cycle, basically, just getting through that examination process. It was absolutely probably the most amount of effort I put towards anything, you know, twice the amount of effort I put towards my university degree easily. <laughs> so, you know, that is actually crazy because, I mean, whilst listening to you, I've obviously, I'll go into it, but my dad was a black taxi driver as well. And yeah. I don't think I've really ever asked him the question in terms of how difficult the examination, how difficult the examination is or was. Yeah. And I've also got, I'm going to say one or two friends are also a black cab, black cab taxi drivers as well. And I've never really got into huge depth into asking him. I knew one of them um, was at university with me at the time. Yeah, actually, that's quite strange, actually. He was at university at the same time he was also thinking about being a black cab taxi driver. Um, and I've never really asked him, as I said before, as well. Um, how difficult is the actual examination? I know also you, know, so you need to go into great lengths to, to study. Yeah, so effectively, you have to know anything to do with London. I mean, if you go back to, like, I said, your dad as an example, that what made it difficult back then, like, what you then do, the way you actually get assessed on it is you turn up to, um, imagine, like, going to go see your doctor or something like that. You sit on the opposite side of a desk and they say, right, okay, Mr. Hartley, take me from uh, Battersea Cats and Dogs Home and we're going to go to the Dogs Trust. You're expected to know both where those places are. And this is all orally. You're done from entirely from memory and they can ask anywhere in London. Once you start getting to the later stages, they start asking for obscure streets, uh, squares, absolutely anything. And um, that's what's the, the fear of it, really. You don't know what's going to hit you. Um, but going back to your dad, I think what would have been difficult in his day, because some people 
uh, back in, you know, like the 70s, 80s, 90s, would have got through it a lot quicker than what I did. Okay. But back then there was less sort of like political correctness. So the examiners, imagine sitting there, you're absolutely nervous anyway. You don't know what they're going to ask you, but they would throw curveballs at you. Like apparently used to be people like would throw pens at you. They would pull your like exam, like your record up and then be like, oh, and then they would base it upon you. So if they knew that someone had like a criminal ra- a background or uh, you know, if you worked somewhere before, it was really quite harsh in what they did, really. Um, and, you know, different stories about people that they've had a bit of a rough time before starting the knowledge. They would use that against them and kind of hold them back. Whereas nowadays, of course, they don't have that because of, you know, political greatness and things no, like that. No, no. And um, it's, um, it's, it's probably harder now because of the vast, you know, how many different establishments there are in london now of course london sort of expands there's more and more restaurants and independent places opening than there ever has been um so really it's just limitless in what you get to learn and, and they really test you on that and did you sorry did you pass first time yeah did you pass first time yeah so again it's sort of how the appearance systems work you have um it's kind of like imagine like a game of snakes and ladders we all played snakes and ladders as yeah. a kid what it is you um you have to sit multiple examinations and they do get progressively harder. But as you progress through, it's not like a linear scale, like being at university. So if you go to university, you pass your first year, that's fine. You've done that. You move on to your second year and you just climb the ladder and that's it. You don't fall back down it. But when it comes to the knowledge, what happens is that you could be right at the very, very end. You might've done, I think if you get a clean run all the way through, you have to do a minimum of 12 examinations. Um, there's usually like two months between each examination. Then it's quite a complicated process, but basically what can happen is you're right at the very, very end. If your standard slips, they'll knock you back to the preceding stages and you can fall all the way back down to the beginning again. And that's what's so brutal about it because, and as well as because it's, you are in the zone when you go and take those appearances. I think that probably the best example I can think of is like a a boxing match because you work so hard, you work so hard and you don't know what's going to hit you until you get in that room. Um, and then your nerves can hit you and then you can just fall to pieces and then, yeah, you've lost it. And then you then have to go back and try again. And you do that a few times. Yeah. You go all the way back to the beginning. It's, it's brutal. I've got, I've got a number of questions, which I haven't even wrote down, but I will definitely get to them. Um, and then it's like in this period of like COVID-19. Um, so like in this period of COVID-19, how have you, fa- I mean, away from it, sorry. How have you found, have you found being a driver in general and what are the positive and ne- negative aspects of being a driver? Um, I think it's, the good thing is that you're still in control of your own fate. Cool. Um, so people that are either been furloughed or they've, um, you, you know, or been made redundant, like my girlfriend, for instance, has been made redundant. And of course, at the moment, no one's really going to be hiring because it's such an unknown territory. So the fact that whether you're, you know, Uber driver, whether you're doing just eat delivery deliveries or a black cab driver like me, at least you can still go out there and earn something. It's not, it's not good at the moment. Okay, it is quite a bit, lower earnings than what it has been but at least i can go out there and still cover my living costs cover the cost of the cab um so that's the definitely the positive i take away from it so it's a bit of survival um but again you're you're accountable to yourself so you can just go out there and work a bit harder if you know you can still get food on the table cool and before we get into obviously some of your experiences have your experiences and perceptions of the job changed with each passing year because i know i feel my perceptions yeah i'll be honest i'll, I'll answer this. I'll, I'll answer my own question i feel my yeah. perceptions changed year on year and i don't know if it's because the job became a bit more difficult but when i first went into the job and became a driver an uber driver or like on rideshare apps yeah 
I it was it was unknown to me, so I was very excited about the the prospect of meeting and picking up people. But at the same time, I had a I felt I had an end goal in that I'd set out to be a driver for a reason, a to have a bit of independence. But at the same time, I was supporting what was a business for me at the time, and then later on, I was supporting a goal, obviously moving to Barcelona, and then obviously having a bit of sustainability. But in my first year. I was really excited about obviously being a driver. Then maybe gradually as time went on, I felt things became a bit more difficult for me because A, I don't know, I felt it might have been, it might have, it might have um, become a bit more harder to make money. But at the same time, I felt the the constraints I put on myself also made my job obviously a bit more difficult as well. How has it been for you, like year one, two and three? Yeah, I think we have a saying in like the black cab trade that it's like the only job, and it, it, I suppose it definitely applies the same to any of these uh, platforms where you can sort of instantly get onto it and then start earning money. And it's the same of a black cab driver. We've all been um, studying so hard. You get your badge on badge day, you can go straight into a black cab and you can go out and start earning. And what we say is that it's the only job where you start at the top and you finish at the bottom. Because what happens, you go out, you know, you young guy like me, I've been studying, you go out and then all of a sudden you can start earning money like that. You just get in the cab, you drive and you go, wow, this is awesome, you know, and you probably had a similar sort of experience. You know, yeah, yeah, I've just yeah. driven around and I've just pressed this button, I've driven this person this place and this money appears in my bank account. How awesome is that? And you then get addicted to that. You sort of go out and you drive more and you think, I've got this money. And, and some people who aren't as controlled of it, they then go, okay, right, I'll, I'll get myself a new phone, right, I'll... Uh, you know, I'll get myself a mortgage, I'll get myself a car finance payment and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, you now have to work for it. So then you're then, again, start at the top, you end up at the bottom because there's no pay rises. And the only thing, the only pay rise you get is, of course, maybe if you're in the game long enough, you get to pay off your cab and then it comes back round that your expenses are a lot lower. You might have paid off your house and then you can then sort of be back to that normal level again. So it's a bit of a, a trap in some ways. And and I think to, to answer your question, that's kind of um, almost where I'm at now that I've been sort of into it for three years. They say it's like a honeymoon period where you have that earning potential. Um, and then, yeah, then understanding that it is a bit of a grind. The only way to go out and earn is to sit behind the wheel, is to put the hours in. Um, and sometimes, yeah, it can be a bit of a struggle to go out, especially for, with what's going on. Um, but yeah, it, perceptions always change, I think, but it's just always nice to, to kind of have it as an earner. You said um, I watched um, one or two um, one or two bits of your your content, and I think you said something that I thought was really really interesting. And I, to, to be fair, I'll probably go back and watch it a bit more. You mentioned things that I believe in as to the concept of time, and that um, you might be a better place to um, explain it than um, than myself, and that you're the one who said it. But I, I'll say it from my perspective. When I when I moved to Barcelona, or maybe even before then, no, no, when I moved to Barcelona. And I was a driver here at the same time. Obviously, I was going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And when I was in Barcelona, I didn't have a job. I had no responsibilities apart from paying my bills and my upkeep in terms of my place in Barcelona. But what I was doing when I was in London, I felt I was effectively buying time because I felt time became really, really important to me. And I heard you say, and I don't, I'm not too sure the title of the, of the video that you, that you published, but you were talking about time being really, really important to you. And it's not something that you can actually get back Hence, you're not one of those individuals who might work 12 hours per day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So do you just want to speak on maybe specifically um, how you go about being a driver? I, I don't know if that's even the right question, if that makes any sense. Yeah, what, in terms of how I manage my time? or Yeah, how you manage your time. Because I just felt it was really interesting that you were talking about how time is really, really important to you. And that, yes, of course, you have great um, earning potential, but 
yeah. also take into, take into consideration your time is really important as well. Yeah, I, I th- it, it, it's one of those sort of juggling acts. I think we always, like, we always say, like, oh, I want to be able to balance my diet, I want to be able to balance your time. And you never get it right all the time, but I always kind of keep it in the back of my mind. And um, I think a lot of it is having rules um, as well. So, like, I have a lot of friends who be like, oh, I stayed up really late this, this week because, oh, it was so good. Oh, you can earn loads of money on the street. And I'm like, no, I want to go home and, and sleep because that's really important time, you know, to keep yourself healthy. And like, that, so I go home and get that exact eight-hour window. I always want to be in bed before 12, and I'm always going to wake up at eight because it's going to have that uh, cyclical thing. Um, but, yeah, I think time is important because – yeah it's everyone says it in terms of you know whether you're the richest person in the world or you're the poorest person in the world you all have the, the same amount of hours in the day to get done what's appropriate to you what's right to you and it's non-renewable we do get older i've noticed in the cab that my legs and my back and stuff's all starting to ache a little bit already and i'm thinking well this is kind of stripping it away from me so that's kind of all my focus when i go out i don't i didn't i do need to earn some money of course but i don't you know, get too hung up on it or, or value myself by the money because that is a real negative trap. If I go, right, okay, I want to go out and earn, I don't let's say it's £50, £100, £200, whatever your daily rate in any industry you can set yourself. Um, if that doesn't come, if you don't get that, then I've had days during this pandemic where I've been out for like three hours and I've earned like a tenner. And you're like, so I now value myself at a tenner or like split, split that down to the hours, like £3.30 an hour. And that's yeah. not good at all. So I value myself on time. So I go, right, I'm out here for nine hours. That's what I'm allowing myself to do. And I allow myself all the other time. So it's kind of just the, the way I place the metric really rather than sort of money. We all need money, but yeah, how you divvy the time is the better one. Cool. I know you said this in your, I mean, you, you said this in, again, um, the content that I watched. Um, but I want to touch on kind of how much I was doing. You don't necessarily need to say so in regards yep. to yourself. Um, so like when things were quote unquote normal, I was earning roughly about say 20 pound an hour. I've never really, yep. I don't, again, I've never really asked my dad or even um, the two, one of them I say is a friend. In fact, no, they're both, I don't want to call them acquaintances. They are friends, two people I know. Yeah. I've never really asked them how much they earn. How much roughly do cabbies earn per hour or even like days, um, that's like how long is a piece of string it depends on how long you're out there for but yeah. how much roughly per hour do do drivers earn like, it's different metrics really because i always had friends who always went by like hourly rates to go oh at the moment i'm on like 20 pound an hour and stuff and um i never really worked i mean we can all calculate our metrics like how we want it really and um, yeah. yeah i don't know what actually breaks down as an hour because i've never really gone by that i used to sort of have ones by like okay if i go out at two o'clock by six o'clock i'd like to have a hundred pounds or, or something like that mm-hmm. but generally i'd always buy go by days and weeks and reason being for that okay. is that um i'm quite pragmatic in terms of um looking at what i do in the cab as a business yeah so obviously you have um expenses of, of fuel when i was living um near Stansted airport you have to get in so of course you just burn a lot of diesel on the way in tax Diesel taxis are not efficient, by the way. So that's <laughs> that's a lot. So I was forty pound a day in diesel. I used to spend. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mental. Uh, even when I was in like when I had a diesel taxi in North London, that's still twenty pound a day, and that's just being in central, not getting like lot big jobs out. So factoring stuff like that, you know, forty pound a day in diesel. That's two hundred pound a week uh, if you're going out five days a week. And then of course the cab itself was about, um, you know. They've obviously dropped a bit during this COVID pandemic. A lot of fleets want to get their cabs out there, but they're about you know two hundred, two hundred and fifty pounds um, a week. So you, you know you've then got to cover nearly five hundred quid just to sort of break even. So I always broke it down into days. I've got like quite a 
cool spreadsheet I made for myself whereby I can chuck it all in and because otherwise you can get really sort of caught up in the fact of like, oh, I've earned 200 pounds today. And you're like, yeah. But if you don't go out the rest of the week, you're at a loss because you haven't covered the, so like during this pandemic, I've been like working hard like this week or a few weeks gone by. I've, I've done like three days. I've worked hard and I've gone, oh, it's getting better. You know, I've done 150 pound this day. I've done 120 pound that day. Chuck it all in my spreadsheet and I've just broken even. I'm like, well, that's demoralizing. But then you have to see those real numbers because otherwise some people uh, do work themselves silly or you do get caught up by that sort of trap of like, oh, I'm earning this much an hour. And um, so, but yeah, in terms to answer your question, um, I would sort of always want to go out and turn over about 200 pound a day because I knew that that would be roughly on track that um, I could cover my, if I'd done that five days a week, that would cover, be a granted turnover that would cover my expenses and I'd have something left, you know, as a, as a sustainable wage. And if I went out extra days, that'd be a nice bonus. Cool. Now, like you, you mentioned, obviously one or two your expenses, did you ever find even before COVID, did you find there was a lot of pressure to actually break even? Did you, did you feel that weight on your shoulder? I think it's just how much, you know, onus you put on the shot. It wasn't really, but like I've got a friend, for example, that he went out and bought his own cab because yeah. when he was renting, um, when I say bought it, I mean, he hasn't got any finance payment on it whatsoever. Okay. Um, so I've bought one, but I've got finance on it, whatever. He, because you had to phone up each week and pay the garage. Like he used to phone up each week so he could get points on his card or whatever. Because he had to phone up each week to pay the garage. He saw that as like, oh my God, I have to pay it each week. I have to pay it each week. So that was just niggling away in the back of his brain that he had to pay it. Even though he would always cover it. You know, I'd always cover my expenses, you know, pre-COVID. It wasn't a problem. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, really, just knowing that you have that thing to pay out for. Um, but other than that, no, it was yeah it was fine to cover expenses yeah no the reason why i say that is because um like i've i've been on and off with like being on on like rideshare apps so like when i so i had i want to say i had maybe two spells so i got my license and then i was driving for three four months and i realized actually i'm paying all these expenses and paying like two two fifty if i was like i was at um i don't want to say the the, the car rental place but i was at a car rental place which was the price the prices were extortionate and i probably yeah. hadn't done my research in regards to where i can get actually better rates so i was paying in the region from two 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 fifty to three hundred pound a week on what was just i don't want to say an average car but just an okay car where i could have got cheaper deals 50 60 pound even less as yeah. the same car that i've got so i felt there's a lot of pressure on my shoulders to actually meet those costs and then obviously make money for myself and i think a lot of people outside of those sort of drivers and even drivers sometimes can get themselves caught up in actually how much they're making they're actually bringing in rather than actually balancing the books and actually making sure they break yeah. first and foremost and then also make money for themselves and i think that that happens in just about every facet of society you know yeah. the, the way they break down weekly payments you go get a phone contract now and it's like oh it's only 80 pound a month i'm like 80 pounds like my phone contract's about a tenner because i bought the phone ages ago and i just pay but people just think oh that's only like an extra 20 quid a week oh i could you know that's just nothing or like, oh but buying coffees every single day it's only three pound a day but you compound and add up all these things yeah um you got yeah you got to live at some some regards you know but um it, even like when i bought the cab right i mean they're not cheap vehicles but the the, the salesperson down there is like giving you like trying to get you all the extras and it's like oh it's only like three pound more a week or whatever but on the term of five years paying it off every for something silly like i don't know like putting carpet in the back like, yeah just, <laughs> and it just it just kind of erodes you and you just you just think oh okay what what the hell really but when you really do add up all of these things netflix subscriptions amazon prime and 
you have to just be really careful and select and say, right, I want X, Y, Z, basically. Cool. Um, my more well, what I what I would regard as the big question was not a big question as such. My dad was a black cabbie, so I never went into this. And even writing my book, I, I never went into this with the with the thought of speaking about black cab driving. In fact, I don't even think I really mentioned them in any way, shape, or form yeah, uh, in this book, in my book. And I think maybe the only contrast I make is I can't really think about this moment in time. Um, but I, no, no, I, I I I speak of my dad as to I didn't realize maybe some of the difficulties they had previously. Me now being a driver, I now can see some of the. Um, yeah, I can see some of the difficulties obviously they, they've been through. Obviously, I know there's loads of pros, but I can see the difficulties. But my question really is, is what is the issue between black cab drivers and, let's say, Uber drivers? Because I know that that is the... Blanket um, term, really. I know yeah, it's, it's, it's not right. It's not right because people say, oh, yeah, like Ubers. But, like, no, there's private hire drivers. There's always been private hire drives since the, the 70s or so. Um, yeah, this is a good question, really. And um, I think initially when Uber... We'll talk about Uber specifically because I think that yeah. changed the playing field because that was, you know, having accessibility on an app. Um, from what I've heard, because, of course, I've only been driving as a black cab driver from 2017, so mm -hmm. Uber were already fully in their thing. So throughout my whole existence, that's just all I've known, really. And um, I've been able to earn a good living. Um, I imagine for the older drivers, yeah, that's come on the scene. It's probably affected their income, things like that. But what I've heard, the main sort of issue debacle was when they come on the scene in, like, 2014, 2015, it was this brand new shiny app. London had never seen it. And that was quite a threat to the black cab trade because all existing black cab drivers, uh, sorry, users, uh, lots of people would have obviously downloaded this app and then gone, oh, this is a shiny app. Let's do it. And let's get a driver. Oh, this is cool. It comes straight to my door and it all comes up my account. And um, it was very, very cheap to begin with because it was heavily subsidized. Of course, we know that Uber is a massive, massive company that floats uh, on the world stock markets. There's lots of investors that are behind it. Um, who want to see a good return out of that. And uh, yeah, initially it was because a lot of people did jump ship and go, right, let's go try this app out. This is going to change the world. This is technology. But as we've seen, as it's gone through, um, it, I think it's different now that they've had to obviously increase prices a bit, a bit like the Amazon model. They were always really cheap. But now if you go buy something on Amazon, it's probably the same price, if not more than what it costs down down the street or like going into this local supermarket yeah, comparison. i made that in the book as well i mean very i don't yeah i don't mention amazon per se but it's a great example um so it, it is slightly predatory in that way and um i always sort of said to customer cab i said look when you use these that and i have no issue with the uber drives because at the end of the day it's just a platform you know what i mean like using this whole covid thing as an example people losing their jobs and that and if you can then apply to then download an app and then then start going out earning money and in fact i even love the uber model right it sounds really bizarre for me to say but because in america right what works it's it's it we forget in london obviously we have a really really good bus and uh, transport infrastructure we have the underground we have everything right but you go to places in like rural america suburban like they don't even have like, the basic taxi services when you go out to these real rural towns so the idea is is that yeah, if you've got a car that's sitting there, you can go out and earn a bit of money by being an Uber driver. It's, it's a perfect thing because you're using what's already there. In theory, it should lower congestion because you're ride-sharing. That's the, it's the term they use. Um, so, yeah, going forward, coming back to your question, really, I haven't got um, beef with it because now what's happened, I believe, is that it's actually probably got more people into private hire vehicles or private vehicles in general. So these were what is probably more affected is probably things like TFL and the bus network. People that would have normally got the bus might go, oh, you know what? I can get an Uber now. And once you've been introduced to that, you know, I get people in the cab that are Uber passengers. They're also black cab passengers. Um, I think it's just made uh, private 
transport more accessible. So in some ways it's good. In some ways, um, you know, obviously there's, there's, they have their own market in that I'm sure you do, or you've done a lot of journeys that take you way out of town, out in the yeah. suburbs, really long rides. Whereas we don't get so many of those uh, as much now as black cab drivers. We are kind of more central based. I do get some long rides, but probably not on the frequencies as what you do. And I think that's where it kind of is a, a different market in itself, really. Cool. And you probably answered this already, but I mean, have you had any maybe direct issues with, with I know sometimes there can be a lot of bickering between the two and I, yeah. hear, and I hear of it. Have you had any direct issues with drivers or have you found any real direct issues because of rideshare, rideshare apps? And obviously I know you came into the, let's say the game um, yeah. with these things existing already. So, you know, that was, that was, that was the landscape. So it may, it may not be any different to you. Yeah, no, it, not not really. I mean, just more from a personal stance. When when I'm sort of like struggling to get a job, and you see all these <laughs> cars pull up, and then like as people jumping in and out of them, you think, ah, oh, god damn it, man! Like, but this, I probably have more issues with cab drivers on that regard. You know, with like cab drivers stealing your jobs and stuff like that. You know, and looking over your shoulder, like, is that cab driver going to overtake me? Because we have like etiquette in, in the cabs, basically. Like, you know like ranking you know you have like a queue of cabs it's the yeah. front cab that gets the job that kind of exists on the street as well so if there's two cabs going down the street it's the front cab that gets the job technically and all stuff like that but no not not directly like i say i mean um only other than maybe congestion you know if there's a lot of you notice it on sort of busy days and stuff or like fridays when there's a lot more out and that does add to the congestion but that's probably tfl's um own mistake their own uh, faux pas I'd say because they've not they've not seen the the light of being able to to cap uh, numbers of of minicab private hire drivers I mm. think that's that's a big problem and and that would probably be better because then Uber can charge more for it that they can charge more of a premium for it um, which then means in turn the drivers earn more because there's less of them it's more of a demanded service that's kind of the way the black cabs always work black cabs have always only had about 25 there's never been more than 25,000 black cab drivers in London that's always been like a fixed number. As many retire, as many come through. It's probably about 21,000 at the moment. Um, but because there's that fixed sort of number, that fixed ecosystem, that's what they're able to regulate, keep the fares uh, standardised and the, the service regular, basically. You know what? What you said I find really interesting because I've always, I haven't thought about it maybe deep enough, but I've always tried to understand why there's so, I mean, I started in 2017 and even then, Previous drivers were saying we used to earn a lot more money before, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then gradually, I began to see actually I'm not earning as much as I did before, or no, it, not even that. I felt it was a lot harder to make money, which is essentially the same thing anyway. Um, but I didn't understand obviously why there wasn't a cap because everybody, any and everybody, was an Uber driver. So yeah. that is a great question, and that's something I might look into obviously following our conversation. And there was something else you said as well that um, tweaked my ears. Are there many um, black cab drivers who are also uh, maybe Uber drivers as well? I don't know, just, I don't, or do you automatically get a private hire license as well? No, so we don't. You still have to get a private hire license okay. as far as I'm aware. Um, I did hear, like, when, when Uber first came into the scene, again, I think, and what they've done in a lot of world markets, they wanted, as a part of their kind of, like, world takeover and becoming, like, this big superpower <laughs> company, was to get like the local taxi drivers onto the system. And I have heard of like drivers that are black cab drivers specifically that did do that when it initially launched, they wanted to make it like, it would have been like a, I'm sure that like, we got like Uber X and stuff like that. Now it would have been like Uber, but like black cab Uber, 
And I think that's what they were trying to do. And then, then, then of course, you got all these drivers get onto it. Oh, wow, look at all this money I'm earning. This is great. They give me all these jobs, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, yeah, all of a sudden, you've got quite a mass sort of amount of drivers on, into their sort of e- ecosystem. And, uh, yeah, that would be the sort of demise of it. But, yeah, there was the odd drivers, but not not anymore. No, that's definitely way, way gone now. I think it's – we have our own apps, of course. So, I think that's where sort of most drivers are. That now. was what I was just about to ask. So, when you first started, was that free – I think it was the free now. Was that free now app um, available then? Yeah, free now. In fact, we even have had um, – black cab apps before the rise of uber before okay. Uber came around at least be a company called halo um, they're always quite contentious amongst cab drivers because some believe oh well you know we do all the work to get our badge so we can get a street hail that's our unique selling point yeah you for hire you get the street hail so some really don't believe in it um as well as the fact of course they take a, a commission so they're saying well look they're selling your work back to you um obviously it's a bit different in private hire because obviously they are they are providing you with the mm-hmm. work um, yeah, so it's I can't I'm sorry, I can't remember what the what the question was there. What I've just come back to. Um, no, um, I think I, was, I, was to, I forgot my question as well because it was it was ad hoc. I think yeah. um, my question essentially was like were the apps before you started, which I think you said there there uh, were. Yeah, yeah. But essentially, um, I don't know. Are they a benefit to you? Um, I don't know. I'm not too sure. Are they good? Or yeah, bad? when it's really really quiet, I think the thing we definitely need apps, like because um, the biggest thing is like. In central, yeah, there's there's no need. I don't think any. I, I don't get why people use like a black ab app when they're in central because they can just stick the hand out of the office yeah. and then off they go. But if I've dropped someone all up into Hampstead and they live in like a little cul-de-sac, or, or, or someone wants to get a cab in Hampstead, say, and they're in a cul-de-sac, they're not near a main road. It's chucking it down with rain. Even if they do get to the main road, they're not going to see a black cab coming by for absolutely ages with their light on that they can hail down. So that's where the apps are, are, are brilliant, really. And that's kind of where I use them. If I get a job out, you know, sometimes if I get lucky, then I can get maybe get a job back in or get another one just to kind of keep you rolling, really. Um, so there's definitely a market for them. The commission, not so good. Um, but that's the same, of course, with, with, of course, like the private hire industry as well. I know a lot of guys are saying, well, look, the commission is far too high for, you know, for them to pocket a lot. And, no, no one likes to see that. It's like taxes. No one likes being taxed. No one likes being commissioned or having your earnings being stripped. Um, Sadiq Khan. Um, yeah. Now, I know I know drivers, including myself, have been upset at times with some of the things you've said or things going on or the dispute between the two the two parties, Uber and black cab drivers. Yeah. From your perspective, like, what are the issues? I mean, specifically, if you know them, that is. Um... There's a really interesting, if anyone who really wants to get into this, Steve McNamara, who is the General Secretary of the Licensed Taxi Drivers Association, the LDT, LTDA. It's basically a large union that I subscribe to, a lot of black cab drivers have subscribed to. He's on the, uh, the, the platform called London Real. I don't know if you've heard of this. Yeah, I know the platform, yeah. Brian Rose at uh, London Real. Um, and yeah, he, he, it's quite recent. This is all in light of COVID-19 and stuff. But he actually um, does go into it about when Boris Johnson was mayor, he wanted... Um, to be able to, you know, regulate uh, just a bit about um, like private hire drivers, being able to cap the numbers, um, as well as um, it was basically just some things that were basically going to put in and help black cab drivers out, help the whole transport infrastructure out in mm-hmm. general, really. And um, I think a lot of that got denied at the time by one of the senior advisors in, in government. And apparently Sadiq Khan has tried going down that same route because I think that was one of his mantras when he initially got elected in was that he was going to help black cab drivers out or help the transport infrastructure out in general. 
Um, but obviously his hands have been sort of tied. The only thing I will say about him, I don't get too sort of political about it. I don't know what's exactly going on, is that I don't know what he's done. I, I, I can, at least I can look at Boris Johnson, you know, what he's doing now, or he's you know, making some decisions, he's doing something, he's got some shots right, he's got some shots wrong, I don't agree with everything, but I can't see anything that Sadiq Khan has done that's positively, you know, made London like a lot better. I can't see it. <laughs> like, <laughs> No, 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 I can't argue. No, yeah, I can't argue in some respect to that. Um, probably very similar to yourself. Well, I'm probably, I, in fact, I probably do get wrapped up in politics maybe a bit too much. And that's probably what's... That's a lie. I was going to say that's the reason why I left London. That's not the reason why I left London. I, just, I, I was looking for, for something new and for something different. What I would say is over the past... What maybe... I don't I know this for, for both parties. What irks me in regards to Sadiq Khan? And, no, so what irks me in regards to Sadiq Khan is... I felt I heard him say once or twice that he, he wouldn't allow maybe his daughter or something like that to take uh, take an Uber. So I felt when he said when you start saying things like that, you then begin to blanket all drivers and kind of tar them with the same brush, which yeah. I felt was a little bit wrong of him to say. I don't have him, a problem with him having that opinion, but by just saying that on 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 national radio, which I think it was maybe I don't want to say the radio station. Yeah. I listened to it, but I just don't want to say it. Um, yeah. I felt you title or drivers. Obviously, in recent times, obviously with COVID nineteen and things of that nature, in just listening to him, I, I'm sure he's a very nice man. Don't get me wrong. I hear he yeah. speaks I, when I hear him speak. He speaks from sincerity. So I definitely like it from that perspective. I just feel there's maybe a few things which he may have said, um, and maybe in hindsight he might regret. I'm not too sure, but I, I didn't really take to it. Um, there was something else I was going to say to him as well. They'll say not say to him. No, obviously with him being a, I think a Labour. Um, being a Labour MP, yeah. and being and conservative um, government, yeah, that's kind of like the yeah. I think yeah, that was the, one of the issues as well. He hasn't got as much clout or power because it, also it goes against if if he achieves. I think that was what Steve Mack brings up in the um, this podcast I was mentioning is that if he achieves what Boris Johnson wanted to do as like basically Boris Johnson's had some agendas that but his hands were tied. Yeah, um, him being conservative. If then Sadiq Khan then goes to Boris or the you know, number ten and then says right. I want to do X, Y, Z, and then he achieves those things, which were also Boris Johnson's agendas, then it makes him, like, Sadiq done the job that Boris wanted to do, and that then looks bad on Boris, if you see what I mean. Yes, I understand that. Um, yeah, so that, like, when I when I weigh those type of things up, I understand he's got his hands tied. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just it on for me in regards to Sadiq. I'm sure he's a nice man. Don't I'm not taking that away from any wish before. Heard him say some really nice things, and I, and I do believe he's sincere. I just feel there are some things which have big, have been difficult for for both parties. Um, just switching up, I don't want to focus on any, anything really negative. Um, my dad, um, who retired a few years ago, and other drivers that I've spoken to, has said they have found things at back of their their taxi. They've been given things like um, from um, I don't know people just giving them things, jeans, yeah. and all sorts of odd things, whether it's in exchange for a ride or just out of the pureness of their heart. Have you found anything in the back of your car or been given anything before? No, nah, not a great deal. People don't... Well, I, one of the funniest ones, actually, uh, it's just basically when people lose stuff. And, of course, if, if they're drunk, I always double-check to, like, l- like, have a look. It's quite hard sometimes to actually see, like, and I'm sure, like, in the same with any car, like, if anything falls down the pockets and the sides, you can't always see it. So always make sure they have a good look before they get out. So it's usually when someone's been drunk and they've left it behind. So mobile phones, obviously, is, as I'm sure you know, mm-hmm. is one of the most common ones. Yeah. And you just phone them and, and whatever, and they get it back. Um, but I had this, this Aussie guy, and I ran him all the way down to Dulwich, and he... 
what, what, what did he have? Uh, he was like, he was really, really drunk. And then um, he got out and he left like two like sealed packets of like Marlboro red cigarettes or something. And it was like an Australian $20 note or something. I said, oh, mate, I think you've left some stuff in the back here. Like, you know, there's some, there's some money there. He goes, oh, no, nah, mate, that's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> How often do I get a drunk Australian man and there's a $20 Australian note in the back there? He's like, nah, that ain't mine, mate. <laughs> so I was like, fair enough then. Like, <laughs> just walked off. And I was like, you sure? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, I'll keep that then. And uh, see my little jar of, like, world currency, you know. that you. you <laughs> and what type of driver would you say you are by mood? Um, da, 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 da. what have you put that as in your question? I don't. What What do you mean? Sorry. Oh, um, like I don't know. Maybe not, not even how do you approach your day? I mean, okay. Yeah, I mean, we get, we have different moves, but I mean, how would you how would you say you are by and large? Um, um, by way of attitude towards driving. I mean, there's times when I'm playing music, I'm really happy. Uh, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes you do get those sort of like ups and downs, and when you come yeah. out, you feel all fresh and you love it, and you come home at night and you feel really angry because you're like, ah, oh, it's not so good. Um, stoical. I like to be stoic. Uh, like stoicism is a branch of philosophy that dates back for so long, and it basically is the idea that if something happens in front of you, then you just you just kind of deal with it. Like in terms of like your mindset, your mind shouldn't change. Like if you drop your phone and you smash the screen. Some people go absolutely ballistic, whereas I've had stuff like that happen. I'm just like, ah, that happened. <laughs> I've got to go get that sorted now. And then you, you, don't, you don't bitch and moan about the fact that it costs that much to replace. And the same I'm driving the cab. If someone cuts me off or gets in front of me, I just have to just, I just let it wash over me like I'm a stone because that stuff happens all the time in London. We are quite a tolerable city, but yeah just let it go like otherwise if you carry on if you hold on to all this stuff it just makes you just so tense and just nerves and i just think no i don't care like just just let them go let it happen cool and when on the road maybe on the on, on the back of that question when on the road uber drivers or priuses find themselves to be probably one of the weakest links in the chain from how is it like from your perspective in probably being the the, the strongest link in the chain i'm going to go between yourselves and maybe the buses but i'd probably say yeah Black taxis probably have, um, I don't want to say a higher ranking, but that's how I'd phrase it, maybe a higher ranking over most of the other vehicles um, in the city. How do you find your interaction with other road users being on the road all day? Well, what I find is that it's, it's really easy for us black cab drivers and, um, uh, and bus drivers and things like that because we've had to do the knowledge. We've had, we've, you go out and drive the streets all the time you know, to learn it. And of course, bus drivers and that do the same route. So it's a bit like... Um, you know, like a prisoner in a prison, like they know exactly where all the doors are. They know exactly where all the like, floors and all the different accesses and stuff like that are. You know, I can go down a road and know exactly like where the speed bumps are, the potholes, the what lane to be in for that point. So in terms of getting directed around London, then it, it's so autonomous, it's so easy. But then I respect that there's many other drivers in London that don't have that knowledge. So they might have to change lane at the last minute because the sat nav might have gone a bit wrong or they've, the road layout is a bit daft and it's so I've always got to admit for that. You know, I think as my responsibility as someone who knows those sort of streets inside out, that I'm always going to allow for people that, you know, make mistakes and that even when I see like, um, I think it's a bit hard with like, this is the thing with Uber driver because obviously if you've been in the job for quite a while, then you learn this over time and habitually, yeah. you know, right, I've done that junction enough times. I've gone round marble arch enough times to know the best lane to get in for my exit. And, um, I think if, 
if it's really, if, I think the same goes for anything. If it's really, really blatant and someone wants to cut in, no one likes that. Okay, I, I have to let them in because it's the road and it's going gonna, it's gonna to ease traffic better if you just let people out rather than trying to hold people off. Mm-hmm. So I don't really get standoffish like that. It just, it does irk you a little bit. Um, but for the most part, I like to think that I'm kind of like the, the, the shepherd of the road in that I've got to, <laughs> you've got to allow people to move. And if I'm just sitting there being like this, oh, I'm this, uh, the ultra high power or whatever, that's not what it's about. Using my knowledge to kind of help keep London moving, basically. <laughs> that's funny, the shepherd of the road. And in your taxi, have you had any awkward, st- have you got any awkward stories, any awkward moments, altercations, Drunken, disorderly interactions. Too many. I'm sure you, you know them as well. You know, this is this is the, the fun of the game. I mean, luckily, I don't get myself into too many of those situations because I try and mitigate them as best as I can. You don't have to pick up a passenger if they're deemed as too drunk um, in the cab. I'm not, I'm not too sure how it works on private hire platforms. I'm not too sure. See, like... Because um... if it comes up on the app, like, and then you have to accept that or not because... Of... No, so you, obviously you wouldn't know obviously they're drunk until you, you see them, but, like... I don't like what you've just said there. I've never really taken that into consideration as to if they're too drunk, you can't take them because I think there might have been at least a hand, there's definitely a handful of um, and passengers I could have deemed far too drunk to get in my car. Yeah, which I have. I mean, I've let people, let me let people in. I've got people who have carried their friends to the car and said, Can you drop so and so to like it's been banana? I mean, I put them in the book anyway, crazy. And, I, and I'll drop some of these people to their houses. Knocking on their on their door, or their their, their parents' door, and they're like, yeah. "Who are you? Who are you? And what are you yeah. doing?" And then I have to explain myself and say, "I've got so and so in the car," and they're like, "What is going? On? How has this happened?" And I'll say, yeah. "Jonathan from God knows where has told me to drop this person off, and they've had to bring the person, get the person out of the car." Yeah, so we we never like really do. I mean, that's one of the one things that you know I got sort of taught by one cab driver. I was like, if you get like a drunk girl or whatever, for instance, uh, who thinks she's going to pass, because everyone does. Once you're in a car, um, you've only got to be a little bit sleepy or a little bit drunk, and you're just riding away. And the the, the, the vibrations of the car, like when you have like a baby in a car and they just yeah. fall asleep instantly. They're just like that, um, and then they pass out. And of course, that's the problem. Like I can't go if it's if it's a girl, I can't go in the back and then wake her up because of you know for aforementioned reasons of you know um of what goes on in society these days so i yeah it is i do mitigate that as, as least as possible um and yeah i think in the tfl ruling i'm sure like private hire drivers taxi drivers, i know definitely taxi drivers but yeah private hire drivers i'm sure will be the same really because it's not safe for the passenger in that regard if they are uh, and you as the driver um but yeah i don't it's just you get the odd ones where you think oh maybe i've gone a little bit over the mark here and, you, and you've got them um that's, one of the worst I had, and she wasn't even drunk, but I had a, a girl I picked up from the um, Four Seasons at Trinity Square, like right near t- Tower Hill. She was going out to back up to Holloway. She'd been out of her dad or whatever. I think she was a student. And she's, la- she's on the back. She's right in the middle seat of the cab. And she's, she's like doing this quite a lot. Like, you know, like when you go swimming and you've got like water in your ear yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're like, you're trying to get it out. Like, and that's what she's doing on the back seat. I'm like, what is she doing? I thought, do I ask or am I being a bit rude? Maybe she's got like a twitch or something like that. So I can't, can't ask that. She's like doing this, like back and forth. And I can feel the cab rocking as she's doing this. And then I get up to like Pennonville Roadway, you know, up near Angel. Um, uh, Cause I was going to go, oh no, she goes, oh, can, can, can you get them? Um, do you know anywhere for a local toilet? And I was like, 
ah, okay, maybe that's why she's rocking to go to the toilet then. So I get to the um, the double tree on Pennantville Road uh, mm-hmm. up near Angel. Uh, so I pull up right outside and I go, there you go, yeah, just, just running there, a bit of toilet and there. She goes, oh, no, 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 don't worry, it's fine. And then all of a sudden, like, well, not all of a sudden, but I start driving back and she's a bit further up Holloway Road, right near Holloway Station. I think it's a student apartment's up there just after the, the station. And uh, she stops rocking throughout the whole way back on the journey. And she gets out, she pays, and I look in the back and there's just this little, like, like this round stain, like, in the, in the sea. And I was like, oh, no. She must have just been busted. And, of course, she must have just, must have gone by the time, yeah, she got to Pennantville Road. That is crazy. Yeah. I mean, luckily she was wearing jeans, so it didn't, obviously, that must, that must have been awful for her, man. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Got it. It was the end of my night anyway. Um, got that cleaned all up, but, yeah, not. I didn't expect that to happen, really, especially from, like, a nice place. And she wasn't, like, drunk or whatever, you know, so. Uh. Just chalk it up to the game, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> just um, occupational hazard. How have you found being a driver? Has it changed your social life and your work-life balance? Um, yeah, I, f- I find myself saying yes to too many social occasions, which is bad. Like, mm-hmm. y- if you're, like, employed, you know, if you work, like, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, and someone's like, oh, are you free, like, on Friday? Nah, sorry, I'm at work. This you can't get out of that. But when you work for yourself, you're like, oh, I don't know, am I free? Can I be, can I be free that day? And then you, I find myself saying yes to things. And I'm like, why did I do that? Like, what? I need to, and then you then you don't have a full week at work. Then I get a bit stressed that I've not worked for a week, and um, yeah, so that that does change it. But then on the flip side, it's quite nice. Like I've had it where I've gone out on a Saturday, maybe I've worked the week, and then on Saturday I go out. And my mate be like, oh Tom, do you fancy coming over with some beers? And I'm like. Yeah, all right then. And just, so I just drive home and um, just that freedom of it, really. I think that's that's the greatest thing and why we all do it, why we all seek these sort of ways of working is that it's, it's the freedom of life. It's not the most orthodox career path, but mm. really if life's your more important thing, then that's what I'd rather focus on rather than grinding out work. You, you, you know, it's actually funny. Your, your answer... Um... When you, when you were saying it, I was thinking to myself, actually, is that not that you, well, I didn't know what you were going to say, but you've actually gone in the, I haven't really thought about the opposite spectrum to, um, sorry, what you said is probably the opposite spectrum to what I've generally heard a lot of people say. So a lot of people have said, including myself, actually, that actually my life, my social life and my, my work-life balance is not quite the same because I'm working too much and I've got yeah. too much on in that I'm having to cover costs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is what I found, but obviously with the way I was living and being back and forth from London to Barcelona, there were certain things I had to pay for. So I had to be on the road, obviously, a little bit longer yeah. than I would have liked to and, and stuff like that. So I felt my work-life balance changed and ultimately, I don't want to say my mood, but that's where my perceptions year on year began to change because maybe in the first year, I didn't have those type of restrictions. I didn't have that type of pressure. But as time wore on and obviously I made that transition to Barcelona and then I was back in London for two, three weeks and I had to make a lot of money to then pay my rent and then I was trying to almost live like a normal life but at the same time I was a part-time worker so there was a lot of pressure on myself and maybe my perceptions of the job which I found in conversations with other people are a little bit different to other people but yet obviously I know there are still a lot of people who work a lot of hours and sometimes even across other platforms which means um, their work-life balance is not as good as maybe it should be. Yeah, I, I think as well, it's this, I've only sort of got myself around to it as well, but this idea of work-life balance, I think is a bit of a myth anyway. I mm-hmm. think this is what um, 
this is probably like a term that was brought up by like offices and like big corporations to say like, oh yeah, you can, you have to work and then you have life as well. Whereas I feel like the kind of cool thing about, you know, when you work as a driver for yourself is that you are doing it for yourself. You yeah. can go out as you, you can sort of stop when you want, you can roughly wear what you want. Um, so I do feel like I'm genuinely showing up as me rather than showing up as this work persona, you know? Yeah. And, um, so that would be, I suppose just opening the question up a little bit in terms of work-life balance. Yeah. Um, but when you brought that up there, actually, when you're saying about actually you are working a lot, I, I do, I do actually sometimes feel, even though I've said, yeah, you do get the freedoms of the job. I do sometimes feel like I am always working. I think that's because of, I think the reasons that you outlined, because when you have, again, come back to the Monday to Friday, nine to five, you, you then have to take the weekend off. Like let's look pre COVID. If you went to an office nine to five, Monday to Friday, you have that weekend off. So whether you've got any plans or not, you have to sit at home and twiddle your thumbs and yeah. have that off. Well, I never really get that. If I'm sort of got a free time or like here, like I'm just like, well, I'll go jump out in the cab or if it's a day where I'm doing nothing, I'm like, well, I might as well go and earn a bit of money. And, um, I, I sat down with my accountant like last year going through like my figures and he went, he was going through them and he get, and I'd had like odd three days off here and there, four days off here and there. I had maybe little trips to places like Barcelona and other trips in Europe. And he goes, you know, Tom, you haven't had a full week off this year. And I was like, what? I was like, yeah, yeah. You've just, you've been consistently every week. And I was like, wow, that's pretty sad. <laughs> <laughs> but only when you look at it on that scale, you're like, well, maybe I am working a bit too much, but you're not because it's just, it's just divvied up like by having like three days off here, four days off here. So effectively I've probably had the same amount of time off as someone who does work yeah, Monday to Friday or whatever, or who does have week long holidays. I've just taken them a bit more sporadically. Yeah. 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 Well, that's cool as well, I guess. Well, yeah, I think that's fine. I think if you're taking, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, they're definitely the benefits of the job and being able to take three, four days off as and when you, as and when you like, you know, and, and that's what I enjoy. And I felt, okay, cool. If I've got something going on in the morning. I can take the morning off and then I can go out and maybe do the later shift. I think you do really forget that sometimes. I remember being, yeah, when I worked in the, in the bike shop, you know, you'd see people coming in the middle of the day that were kind of maybe like entrepreneurs or maybe I didn't know who, who they were. And I was like, what, how, what do you do that allows you to be able to just be like doing nothing in the middle of the day? I'm like, that's so cool. Like you always, so I can never ever go back to working like in that sort of pattern. It just feels so weird and odd. And oh, that's what I love. But you, you sort of do forget that at times. You're like, hold on a minute. It's Friday midday and I'm don't have anywhere to be. <laughs> on the subject of um, entrepreneurs and stuff like that, have you ever found yourself networking or done business with people that you picked up? No, I really should do, really. Uh, it really sort of upsets me knowing that as, as time goes on, because sometimes I don't talk to everyone in the cab, but you pick up some real, like, big shots as well. Like, you can just tell by what they're on the phone talking about. And they're like, oh, yeah, man, I've got a million of this or whatever. And you're like, I haven't, got, I haven't had a million of anything in my life. Like, yeah, can't even quantify that. Um, yeah, so I think that there could be really some big opportunities there in terms of if you... If, of course, it depends because obviously some people are going to be midway through their working day. They use a cab or an Uber or whatever to get from one place to the next. They're midway through business or whatever, so you're not going to interrupt them. But no, I generally haven't really. That's um, kind of, I suppose, a missed opportunity. But, you know, who, who knows? These things always come from nowhere, you know. Just got to be open for the opportunity. Cool. And like on the, on the subject of, like, overhearing conversations, what type of conversations have you overheard like in the past, like good, good and bad. It doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to be bad as such. Yeah, just trying to think. 
I did I did start trying to write a lot of these down as I'm sure you've <laughs> that's probably the part of the reason why you've done some of yours really. Um I I don't really like to earwig too much. I might hear the odd conversation and be like, Oh, okay, that's kind of like well, I don't understand that or that's really out of my league really. But um yeah, it's just I think it's mainly is like the ones I sort of like gravitate towards or hear a bit of is like when someone's on the phone with someone and you know they're talking about something and sometimes it's always funny as well as if you've had um, if you pick up a couple and they've been out for a night, a night out, or whatever, but then they might have had a bit of a tiff or a bit of an argument, <laughs> and you can always tell, right? Because in the black cab, you've got three seats across the back, and there'll be one there, one there. The middle seat is empty, and even when you drop them off, right, they get out of separate doors. <laughs> Just like it's so funny. Um, so I think that's probably the better thing I like is it's kind of the, that level of people watching. That kind of I don't need to like pry too much into them, but you can kind of get the dynamic and get the energy of what's going on you know yeah. like i've had um in one of my videos i put on youtube uh, where i'd show a shift where i was actually um working that there was someone in there that I, I could tell they were like on a first date because of the way they were sort of talking the level of conversation that they had like sort of deemed as like oh yeah what does your mum do for a living and you know there were these sort of introductory sort of conversations and they were going to sort of like a restaurant like and they were all dressed up and that and yeah you so you can sort of guess or ascertain where they are or what they're doing is kind of fun and you know i'm not too sure of this because obviously with where you are seated in, in the front sometimes you can probably feel there's maybe quite a bit of a distance between you and the passenger so i don't know if there's yep. a, a difference in the dynamic between those on rideshare apps and yourself in a black cab but what yep. type of conversations have you had yourself with passengers or what type I mean, of conversations you find yourself in yeah, yeah. I mean, all sorts. I mean, nothing's really off off the table, really. And I don't know. Yeah, if if that because of that partition actually makes like make it more freely available to talk about different conversations. Or I almost like to think of it as like the confession booths that you get like in church or whatever. Like, yeah. where you can't see like I'm just the back of the head, you know, and just a pair of eyes. If you look up at me in the mirror, so because sometimes I feel like I've had conversations like. Yeah, I get it. If you, if I was an older black cab driver, I've had a bit of a life. Like people talking about marriages and divorce and stuff like that with me, and I'm like, I don't think I'm really qualified to be on this subject. <laughs> but I'm the driver. I can just be here, and I think that's all it is. Sometimes you are just there, just to kind of be, um, not specifically because of me, my profession or whatever, or you know, my personality, or whatever. It's just someone like the person in the back can just console with someone. They can talk with me anonymously, yeah. really. And I think that's kind of the weirdest thing. I don't know how much that might happen with yourself when you're you driving yeah. or, but it, yeah. And, um, yeah, it, I think it's, it's kind of is one of those only areas in society where you can just talk with a complete stranger as though you've known them for quite a while. That and possibly like the barbershop, you know, going to the hairdresser. Yeah. But other than that, I think you, you're a bit of a wit. You just get seen as a weirdo if you open up that freely to anyone else, right? Very true. Very true. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I actually began to enjoy the job because I then, because I, I did a lot of backpacking. So I, I backpacked in, yeah, so I backpacked twice before I became a driver. So I backpacked in 2012, going to South America for three months. Nice. And yeah. then I did the same thing in 2017 um, before I became a driver. So I literally went through my application process and then came back and expected to jump straight into what would be, let's say, a Prius. Yeah. Um, but then there was issues with uber and the crb thing and then i became part of that group of individuals who were lost in transition so it took me like a year to get ultimate in my life yeah it took yeah. me a year so i went away with the with the i left i left education 
and left with the purpose of, you know, when I come back, I'm going to become a driver and just focus on other things that I wanted to do. Yeah. So I came back and I had no job for like six months, maybe. And I was literally just twiddling my fingers. That really plays to people's livelihoods. That's not. Oh, oh mate. So is that an Uber problem or TFL? Or? Um, I'm going to say it was an Uber problem. It was an Uber problem, to be told. Yeah. I mean, I think the issues were with Uber. I don't think you would have had any. No, it's always, I think Uber had um, a preferred partner to do their CRBs. And yeah. That was that was that been the case for forever and a day up until that point, and then there became an issue as to Uber had to now use I don't know what the partner is now, but they now to use this partner. But I'd done my yeah. CRB with the previous partner, yeah. so yeah, that became an issue. And then also you got this massive clog of people who now want to do their DBS. Yeah, it's a nightmare. It's always a nightmare. Anything I've just had to do my <laughs> my renewal for TV, and that is just a nightmare. It's taken me about two months which should be like just why like why and you never get any but there we go that's, that's probably the only hard bit of the job <laughs> absolutely nightmare. yeah but you know what, what i was going to say was no so my approach was i really enjoyed um the fact that you were essentially meeting new people every day every week um yeah. not that i went out my way to make conversation but when conversation began then obviously then conversation flows and you know you begin to enjoy the conversation. I think they're equally surprised as to the either the length or the depth of the conversation. And then all of a sudden you, you part ways, which I felt was very similar to when I was traveling. You might be with someone for twenty four hours, two, three days, and all of a sudden you won't see that person again. You may be in contact obviously by via Facebook, maybe yeah. potentially, but by and large you're not going to see that person again. And you just enjoy that time, those two, three that days. That moment, time. yeah enjoy that moment so i began to really enjoy i used to enjoy that yeah so i enjoyed that again it was only it's only until i felt it became a job that it became difficult for me and i had real targets i had to make like x amount of pounds to pay rent and then to be able to live and then go to barcelona and then i could put my yeah feet. then it became difficult being there as well you know like when i wanted to get my cabin short i was like right i'm not i didn't want to do it monthly because of this, the finance on it oh sorry the interest on it i was like right i'm gonna get it you know, I'm going to pay it in one hit, you know, and it's quite expensive hire and reward insurance. Cause I don't know if you, if you had your own vehicle or if you had to, if you just, no, a vehicle. So that was, these are some of the, the, the arguments I put up in the book as to, well, I don't want to call them arguments, but just debates. So I was never sure how long I was going to be a driver for. So Barcelona yeah. only came up probably a year, maybe a little bit longer down the line. But to begin with, I was unsure how long I was going to be a driver for. So I didn't want to buy a car, get myself into a contract where, six months down the line that's not exactly what i wanted yeah. so i always went to begin with and then it's just something that i continued and i still now i do see an argument or a great argument to actually buying a car but i never knew when i was going to stop yeah so that's it short to... short term like traveling and stuff like that i think if it's basically like anything probably three years five years plus then yeah buy it but if you're anything less than that it's probably better off just to rent like you know you're going to be yeah, like in, in the best circumstance, you know, be able to go traveling and all the freedom that comes with it, really. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just the point on, on your thing of like, yeah, having to work and, and things like that. I think with any of these jobs, it's just the second you try and get more from it, then because that's the thing as well. When you get into these sort of level, these types of work, you know, again, like the, I'm sure the moped couriers and that do it on the same one, like the, the deliveries and stuff like that, is that you think, right, okay, it's unlimited money. If I just stay out here and work longer, I can earn more money, you know. Yeah. I've, I, got unlimited earning potential when you are limited and and the trouble is when you try and take more from it than what's actually sort of like organically there that's when it sucks and that's the, the what the issue that i had when i was trying to pay this insurance bill all 
all up in one hit. I'm like, I'm just going to stay out and get it. I'm just going to do it and I'll just pay it in one hit. And it doesn't, you know, and it just does, does lead to stress. So it's just the more sustainable approach I find is just going out for time, just go right nine hours, whatever it may be. And then that's it, you know, whatever it is, it is. You're gonna have, you're gonna have things that impact your health at different stages, um, whether it's a nine to five or, or otherwise. Have you felt that your eating habits and your health has maybe changed as a result of you being a driver or having to eat on the go? Um, I found the biggest thing when I became a cab driver, and this is more to do with fitness, right? I thought, right, when you work for yourself, you you could do all these things. You could then go to the gym for as long as you want. You can then go and learn piano. You can go do all these things because you, you work for yourself. So you've got all the time in the world all of a sudden. Well, if anything, that made it harder because when you, when you work, I keep coming back to the nine to five analogy, but it's just what works. When you work nine to five, you've got this wonderful block of time where you can't do anything. So if you want to go to the gym, you have to go before nine or you have to go after five. That's it. But in our lives or like, if you're free like this, you've got all day to do it. And then of course, Without, I think it's called Parkinson's law, whereby um, if you have all day to do something, you will take all day to do it. But if you've only got an hour window to do something, then you will get it done in an hour. And that was the problem I had. It was really hard to get motivated and find, you know, through, through freedom, you need restriction, basically. Uh, you need to be able to restrict yourself, right? And I go to the gym at these times. I finish work at these times. Um, and that was the hardest thing was actually getting motivated to go to the gym when I was, you know, accountable to working for myself. I've kind of got back on the track of it now. In terms of eating, um, I just try not to eat out a lot. I have a, uh, a little portable stove that goes in the cab. Nice. Um, I can then, I can heat up basically, like you put them in like the, the foil containers, you make your, your meal preps. And that's kind of the way I've always done stuff, just meal preps and, Things crossed that keeps me sort of in a decent shape for the rest of my life with a bit of fitness as well um yeah i do eat out sometimes as kind of a nice treat but it's i think it can be a bit too easy and the only trouble is as well is that if you don't prepare your own meals it's pretty much impossible to get anything that is of real substantial sort of healthiness and it, or if you do then you pay for it the only place i've found is like chipotle yeah just in terms of because obviously you can get decent meats you can say no to the rice no to the sauces and stuff like that so you can just get like a nice like bean and um bean chicken bowl whatever bean and um you know beef bowl and and then it's it's real meat it's yeah but everyone's got their own i suppose their own like dietary things how they'd want to approach things yeah um next question i think both rideshare apps and black cab drivers have had like negative like publicity as to incidents with women. So like I intentionally had a woman on the podcast to get her views and her experiences of this. I acknowledge obviously unprofessional and unsavory incidents happen um, and don't condone any way to perform. Obviously likewise yourself, I'm sure. My question is in regards to sexual harassment or even worse. I want to like, have a brief conversation on where someone is potentially maybe flirting with you um i know it happens from my own experience and speaking with other drivers have you had any like flirtatious interactions with women or experiences yeah i mean you get the odd ones where they're like oh you know what you're doing after your shift you know maybe you can <laughs> <laughs> like oh you drop me off you're a nice lad and stuff like that but i think it kind of works that i am in my own little cab in the front there in the bit in the back and i think there used to be another saying that was um you never get in the back with the customer and that's not physically that's kind of like when you're having a conversation and that, or when, if you've, if they've got their own little life going on in the back, that's their life. That's not you to intrude on that. So, 
um, yeah, that was the source of the the reason behind that saying: never get very good phrase, very good saying. Um, yeah, you don't get raveled up in that sort of life with them. Um, you know, in in the London Black Cab trade, we've only had one bad egg in the the, the three hundred sort of years or so. We've been licensed by Cromwell, Oliver Cromwell, and that was uh, John Warboys, um, who's in prison now for you know doing you know very very bad things, of course, with. Um, what happens really? Um, and then, in terms of your question, saying like, um, you know, uh, have I had any flirtatious interactions, or have I gone on to see someone? I actually have actually been on a date with someone who I had as a, as a passenger in the back of the cab. And I'm always quite careful, even when I suppose when you work for anybody, you know, because there is this sort of notion that yeah, you know, advancing stuff too too fast and that. But basically, we just had a real nice organic conversation. We'd stop the cab. She'd paid. And we just still carried on talking. I was just still in the front, just in the back, and we just the conversation was organic. I just gave her a business card and said, "Look, you know, I just really enjoyed this." Um, and then she got in touch with me, and then yeah, we just went on a date. Nothing, nothing more came from that. But it was just real nice that that could happen. Um, in the most part, I do kind of switch off to it. Like most stuff now, of course, I've, I've got a girlfriend now, so yeah, I generally do. You know, I, I kind of raised that up as kind of a big barrier straight away, so no one gets the wrong idea or tries to lead me down that path anyway. Um, but yeah, I just, it's just one of those sort of things. I think it's human nature, um, especially as well, as we said, when in cabs, a lot of conversations are off topic. Um, you was as well, like if you think back to using older cab drivers as an example, many, many years ago before, like the, uh, the advent of smartphones and things, if you got someone in the back of the cab as a passenger, they had to talk to you pretty much. There was nothing else, unless they brought a newspaper or something with them. Otherwise, they'd be sitting in the back of the cab, just sort of like twiddling their thumbs, being quiet, and that would be the more awkward differentness. So I think these sort of things probably might have been more prevalent, um, you know, in the, in the 70s and the 80s or, or even into the 90s when, when smartphone use wasn't. Because you've, you've seen it, I'm sure, where people just get in, they just you say, yeah, all right, how you doing? Yeah, not bad. And they're just glued on their phone, which in some ways is kind of a reliever. It's kind of nice because sometimes you don't really want to talk as a driver. You just want to drive and just kind of be in your own little zone. Um, yeah, that's kind of my attitudes on it, really. You know what? I'm glad you say that um, as to your experiences. So, like you say, it's natural, and it is natural. I think, and when I say natural, you just find yourself sometimes um, involved in a conversation which you really enjoy, and then the, let's say, the ride ends, and then you find yourself continuing the conversation. And I found myself, I mean, I went on to see someone for a small period of time as well, where my, my golden rule was, because I was going back and forth from London to Barcelona, I was like, I can't afford for something wrong to happen by way of asking someone for their contact details or just find myself in any type of situation. So that was like a golden rule for me. And obviously we know both, um, not even whether it's Uber or Black Cab, just, just general, like a, a stigma around the whole thing just in general. So I don't want to involve myself in, in, in any issues. But I found myself in a situation where we're having a light conversation and we're talking about something that I was quite interested in. And against my... I don't want to say my judgment, but against my own ruling, I just found myself saying, oh, I'd like, I'd like to continue the conversation. Do you want to exchange details? Once I said it, I said, I can't, I can't believe I just said that. But I know she was happy to do so. So we exchanged details and obviously went on to see each other for a period of time. It was cool. We can probably still contact each other to this day and just have a general chit-chat. Um, so there was no, there was nothing untoward that happened in any way or form. There are other things that have happened by way of people flirting, and as you said before, do you want to come inside or that type of stuff? Those yeah. sort of crazy things have, ha have happened. Um, there's a lot, of, yeah. There's a lot of funny things have happened in that respect. 
Um, but that is the only time I, um, I answer to that, if that makes any sense, as to exchanging detail with someone and ultimately... I, I think as long as it happens in the right way and, you know, that you, everything is kind of like laid out on the table, like you can get interactions, you know, in the supermarket, in the pub, in the bar, obviously mm. maybe not so much now because of what's going on, but any interaction can happen anywhere. And of course, it's just the same of it's in, in the cab. I remember like... Um, I worked for Apple for a brief period of time and you, you used to do like these sort of um, policy questionnaires and surveys and stuff to make sure that you're up to date with the policies and what you can yeah. and can't do there. And some of it is pretty obvious to some people, but uh, or it was pretty obvious to most people, but some stuff isn't obvious. I.e. if you work in a place where you deal with customer information, um, say like, uh, so if someone's coming for an appointment somewhere, let's say, I don't know, you might work in a GP surgery, right? And someone comes in, you've got their file up in front of you, you know, then you've got their phone number and stuff. It's not ethically correct. If you just like the look of that person think, oh, right, I've got their phone number there and give them a call. So, but you then obviously then have to then say, uh, you know, you obviously have to put all the sort of professional side of it aside. And then you, you then, if you're speaking to them on a normal, more natural organic level, and then you then physically have to ask for that. It's it, otherwise it's, you can't just have like whatever's just available there in the same way that you don't just go up to someone in, in the street and then just go, Oh, you know, I, I want this from you. Or I want this, whether you, you get involved in natural conversation, you see where it goes. And it's the same with like, your question as well, in terms of business encounters, if you want to do, do business with someone, you don't just go up to someone and strike up a conversation or like you've got their phone number and then phone them up and go, Oh mate, I heard you in the cab. Like, <laughs> can you sort me out of a business deal? I really want to work for you. No, no, no. You've got to like, you edge your way into that and get the right introductions and do it the right way, really. Uh, there is no shortcuts to any of these things in life, really. And just closing, what do you think the future is for black cab drivers? Just in, um, the same could be said in regards to um, ride share apps and stuff like that. I haven't actually worked since the whole COVID thing started and I will for two reasons. A, um, I want to make sure I conclude which is all my edits before I pass it on professionally to someone else. So I feel if I start working, then also I'm not going to find that time. And Definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah, Thomas, make sure you finish those edits, those edits before you actually go back to work. Um, I, I, hear, I hear things are going, uh, are getting back to somewhat um, normal. There is, there is some form of normality. And I just want to specify, I don't know, I'm not too sure when this is going to come out. I know I said with previous recordings that I've done um, that, you know, the, the podcast will come out in um, between September, October, November. This has been recorded in October, and I imagine, I'm hoping anyway, I'll begin the process of um, bringing the book out back end of Christmas or Christmas, early start of 2021. But what do you think the future is for black cab drivers at this moment in time? Um, I can answer that question sort of two ways. So let's look at it in terms of COVID-19. Yeah. Um, this is just a small blip in the radar of humanity. Um, okay, it's a bit of a bigger blip than say, you know, maybe some recessions, but you've only got to look back through the past or you look at like the stock market trends and things like that. Um, whenever there's been a recession, you know, the, the housing crisis of 2008, you know, the 9-11, September 11th attacks, all these things will have dramatic consequences on the like stock markets and the economy. And effectively, us as drivers, we are just linked to that larger economy. People are going out spending money. They're going to go and get in cabs. They're going to go into the restaurant. They're going to go to the theaters and stuff like that. So we're just an accessory to that. So we're always linked to that. Um, so this will pass. Uh, so anyone who's ever thinking about like, oh, do I get into uh, private hire industry? Do I become a black cab driver? Anything like that? Um, now, right now, probably isn't going to be as good as what it once was. And there's going to be people saying, oh, I want the old days back. It will come back. 
Um, it's just going to just, just take time to ride out. These things always just do ride out. Um, and in terms of the greater, longer, longer future, now, black cabs have been in London for almost uh, four centuries. Same, same sounds absolutely mad. Um, first licensed by Oliver Cromwell, I think it's about 380 years ago or something. Um, we, I think so long as, um, you know, we, we keep up at the high standards, you know, we have our specific vehicles. The new electric taxi, by the way, which I'm sure you've seen and many people have seen, has kind of been like, I think, a bit of a trade saver for us because when you can go and get a, a private hire vehicle, a real nice shiny Prius or an UberX, it's like a Mercedes or whatever, and, and the alternative, like, you know, if you're a, a baller and you come over here and you want to get a professional driver and he pulls up in this old smoky banging TX, TX2 that's just on its last legs that the driver hasn't been in the back and cleaned in years. It's kind of embarrassing, really. So at least everyone, a lot of these drivers are moving over to the greener alternative, the electric cabs. Um, I, yeah, I think we'll be around for a long time to come. As long as we keep adopting and adapting with change, you know, things like credit cards and that. And probably the best thing as well is that the, the, the tax industry has definitely had a shake-up, I suppose, from the private hire industry and the advent of Uber. That has, you know, definitely changed uh, attitudes and what drivers can and can't do, having to accept card and that. And I'm all for that because at the end of the day, some of the sort of stuff that drivers might have done in the heyday, you know, not going south of the water, not taking cash, uh, sorry, not taking card and stuff like that is absolutely despicable. You know, people see that light and, you know, that's their, that's their way of getting home. That's their, their glimmering hope. So for them to get in and have a, a horrible driver. So I think so long as we can keep up to date, up to the forefront, um, then yeah, they, then we'll be around for many, many years to come. And given the circumstances, have you thought about retraining or finding another profession? Yeah, definitely. Um, I always do, irregardless. I mean, I like the idea that I've got the badge, I can still go out and work, but there might be a time when it's probably not as good as what it is at the moment. You know, maybe some of these daft street schemes that are coming in might prohibit how much I can earn and how quickly um, for everybody. So, yeah, I, I'm always sort of on the forefront of that with things like, you know, doing my YouTube. Um, I've written a book as well. Um, and I, I just never really want to stop. It's not necessarily like, oh, okay, is my job safe or not? I just think it's a really good kind of reflex to have for anybody, absolutely anybody. You know, it, people have been made redundant during this time. Like I, we said at the beginning here that, you're kind of like quite unsafe because you are reliant upon someone to give you work. You're applying, reliant upon that bus, that, that boss or that one company. If that one company then folds, then you see you later. You haven't, you haven't got any form of income. So you've always got to be striving, keep on looking at things differently and thinking, right, okay. And you know, when can I do this? And maybe I should relearn and reskill this. And I think it's part of life as well, just growing and adapting. I absolutely, absolutely love it. It's brilliant. And there, is there any myths um, that you want to dispel maybe or any advice that you would give to someone who's a driver uh, or who wants to be a driver, sorry? Or both. Uh, who wants to do, 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 do. Yeah. Um, yeah, any myths you want to dispel? Well, first off, I suppose it's just maybe more of a passenger thing and that black cab drivers want to go the long route and make the, the fares bump up. Well, that's actually quite counterintuitive. What, what most black cab drivers actually want to do and what I always want to do is I want to get jobs in the cab, deliver them to their destination, get get the fare and off you go black cab meters start at three pound 20 um so that means if i just sat there if i somehow made a business where people would jump in the back of the cab i'd turn the meter on that's three pound 20 please and they jump out and if i could just get people jumping in and out all day i'd be pretty rich doing that i wouldn't have to drive anywhere but the meter starts at three pound 20 so think about that in terms of rides uh, or, or, or or journeys rather 
And then on top of that, oh, that, that journey, so it starts at £3.20, then you might get a tip as well, so that might be a couple of quid on top. So I've got a fiver just for just starting that journey effectively. Um, then take them down the road, let's say it comes to a tenner in all. They're the kind of jobs that I want, you know, this whole 10 o'clock curfew that's happening. Um, at 10 o'clock, for instance, there's, there's all these people out on the streets wanting to get home. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, or I'm sure you've seen this, but yeah. uh, like banning uh, how it then happens. Well, the problem is, is that if I get a really long journey that takes me out to say Clapham or whatever, by the time I get back to Central where I can go pick up someone else, everyone's gone. So that one job that might have been 30 quid, it, well, I, I saw what I can earn from that was 30 quid. But what happened to me the other day was that I was, um, I'd done one job from Liverpool Street down to London Bridge, another one back to Liverpool Street, another little one in the city, so I'd done about tenner, tenner, another eight quid to so twenty-eight quid, and then I managed to get one down to Clapham, which was then the thirty quid on top of that. Other than fifty-eight quid out of that, when effectively that's the same sort of time span. So the myth I'm trying to dispel here is the fact that cab drivers don't want to sit in traffic because the meter moves a lot slower in traffic. If I get straight on the M4, that meter starts ticking up really, really quickly. Uh, we just want to deliver passengers as quick as possible. Um, as for people wanting to get into the profession, that's probably just going to be advice, really. Just don't take more from it. And this goes for any, I suppose, any of these sort of uh, sort of gig apps or, or anything that where you work for yourself is don't take more from it than what is actually available because you, you're only going to be working against yourself. And that's not a fun game to be playing. No, 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 no. And would you recommend anyone to become a driver? I wouldn't necessarily um, recommend it or prescribe it. No, I think if you just... I would add up, like, you know, what does it mean for you? Um, like, if you're doing it for the money, then, or, like, if you're doing it because you want a lot of money, then I would say definitely don't do it because yeah, you're not going to get rich from these. Um, it's going to give you a nice income. It's going to give you a nice living that you have a bit of flexibility to it. Um, you know, freedom of work that I can still go out and work and earn a little bit of money during what's going on. Um, but largely for me, it is just that factor of I haven't got to ask a boss when I want to take time off. I can just go like, you know, I've, I've got my snowboard and I love going on winter trips every single year. Right. I can just go. I can go as long as I want. I can come back when I want, within reason, of course. Um, and if it all works for you, then go for it. I know people that are very happy working their office jobs nine to five. That wouldn't work for me. If someone prescribed that to me, I'd be like, no, nah, thanks, mate. Leave it. Um, and in the same way, I'm not going to be able to push that on to someone else with this job. So see what it add up what your life what works for you in your life it's very much like what what you're doing um andrew in terms of obviously you know being able to have the flexibility to go to barcelona go traveling and that if that's what your life um you know or anyone who has their life sort of laid out in that way then this could work very well for you that was one of the the big ticks for me was the fact that you can just leave it for a year and then come back to it it's always going to be there you've always got a job or profession that you can just hop back straight back into Cool. And my final question, what's next for you? I know you have a platform in a business around being a black cab driver. Do you care to tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you can find me on YouTube. I'm just Tom the Taxi Driver. Um, I have a book as well. I keep, I just keep on trying to grow that. I think YouTube is probably the one I really do want to focus on quite a bit because I think there's a, just an infinite amount of upsides um, in terms of having content that's always there and is always available um but also just the, it, it helps me challenge and grow like i've done a recent challenge recently where i was blindfolded in the back of my friend's black cab and i had to guess and work out where i'm going basically as he's driving me very like like the film taken like liam neeson where he's been around istanbul and he's like i oh, know that's true i know that one you're gonna point all stuff out and it's fun stuff like that that i want to do and then obviously with the youtube monetization platform you kind of are effectively rewarded for it there's not much money in it for me at the moment because it's relatively in its infancy but 
it's just stuff like that just keeps you growing because it's it can be mind numbing just going out and doing the same job every day just to earn a bit of money so um if even if i'm earning less money doing the youtube it's creatively stimulating me and i think that has infinite more potentialities than just just working in the cab or just driving really as much as i do love the job you just got to keep growing in, in that sense really another book i think that's probably gonna be the next thing for me another book another book or yeah another book man i think very very much like i mean like you i suppose like actually your experiences of the job because my one before was more about me getting into it how you study for the knowledge okay and then this i think the further one i just wanted to get a few years under my belt to actually kind of uh you know tell what the job is like what it's not like dispel the myths um share some journeys with passengers and things like that really um all that kind of fun stuff cool Brilliant. Thank you for your time. I've really enjoyed um, some of the insight you've obviously brought to, let's say, the wider conversation with the different people that I've spoken to. Um, thank you. Much appreciated. Well, and, and yourself, Andrew. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's really, really important to look at, like, you know, what you do for work should, you know, enable you what you actually really want to do. Like, I always look at it, like, in terms of, like, having a hobby, for instance. You know, you go to work because you have to, everyone has to go and earn money, of course. But really, you should have something that wants to pull you away from your work. And I think what you're doing, you know, in terms of, you know, writing your book and actually going out, seeking travel in and things like that is just, that's the essence of life, really. I think when people get too wrapped up in just the earning potential, just strip it away and go, well, what do I actually want to do? Where do I want to go? And I think you're, what you're doing is, is a great example of that. So I'm, I'm really proud to have this conversation with you. It's, it's awesome. Much appreciated. Are you going to work today? Yeah, probably, man. <laughs> <laughs> what else is there to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, that's it. Like, I've been to the gym now. I'm sorted. So. Hi, Andrew. My journey is available for pre-order via my website, andrewmensahjr.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-W-M-E-N-S-A-H-J-R.com. And for more content, follow me on IG and Twitter at Andrew Mensah JR. That's A-N-D-R-E-W-M-E-N-S-A-H-J-R. Subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Andrew Mensah Jr. Same spelling. Thank you.